Chapter 5, The Blindsided Zuko's always been a light sleeper. It's a necessity of survival in the palace. The older and more menacing Azula got, and even more so on the Wan'i. It's the only reason he was able to sense the pirates trying to blow up his ship and escape before he became just another lost soul at sea. Still, he's never felt a heaviness quite like this particular one that saturates his bones and body as he pulls away from the drowsiness. The ground seems to be swaying, is the first observation Zuko makes. Not like the light rocking of the ship at sea. This one feels more unhinged, like free-floating in air. The second thing he realizes is that he's not on the ground, or even the sea at all, but in air. Uh-oh, he's waking up. Zuko tries to clutch at his head, and that's when he realizes something's keeping his hands bound together. When he opens his eyes, two set of ocean blue eyes are looking back at his own. His immediate instinct is to kick out with his legs. Whoa, stop that! We're thousands of feet above ground! None of that here if you don't want to fall off! A heavy grip holds his calf down, and Zuko gasps at the unbidden memory it brings back, and he lashes out wildly. The hand immediately lets go of him. Okay, Sokka, let's not touch the twitchy jerkbender. Ignoring the stab of fear, Zuko's gaze immediately zeroes in on the culprit, whose voice was in his head. Yeah, it's not a pleasant experience for me either, the Water Tribe peasant drawls, mouth tugging downward. Zuko glares. Stop reading my mind, he barks. His phoenix plume swings around his shoulders, even as he struggles to righten himself up. He feels rather than sees the other boy's mounting frustration. I can't actually help it, buddy, the Water Tribe boy retorts. It was much nicer and quieter when you were passed out, as if your shouting wasn't bad enough for my eardrums. Now I get to listen to you rage in my head, too! Stop antagonizing him, Sokka, the waterbender chastises. Zuko's eyes find her and remember the cold whip of water around his wrists before everything went dark. What did you do to me? He spits out. Something's crawling up his spine because Agni, the thought of their hands touching his body and manhandling him while he was unaware. Just like you did to Aang while he was in the Avatar state? Sokka asks pointedly. Zuko looks away. Something hot like shame burning in his gut. The Avatar's hardly vulnerable or powerless in the Avatar state, he defends. Zhao would have done worse. Sokka rolls his eyes and matches Zuko's glare. And he's your comparison of a good conduct? Is that it? In that case, the bar is really low. That line of thinking is going to get you nowhere here, he tells Zuko. There's a beat of a moment. Then Zuko lets out a breath. You're right, he concedes, to the clear surprise of the Water Tribe boy. That was not one of my more honorable moments. I apologize. Okay, comes the hesitant reply, laden with suspicion. What are you planning to do with me? Zuko asks, trying to buy time. His mind's already actively thinking of ways to get out, and his hands are busy fiddling with the rope at his back. It's the same good quality material he recognizes that kept the Avatar bound, but at the end of the day, it's still rope and under normal circumstances, he can burn through them easily. At that very moment, though, it's dubious whether Zuko can generate enough energy to firebend something so delicate. We won't hurt you if you won't hurt us, the waterbender says in a haughty voice, her voice laden with threat. Aang didn't want to leave you to die in the North Pole, so he asked me to heal you. Zuko glances towards the helm of the bison they're apparently on, where the avatar gives him a cheery little wave. Why would he do that? He asks suspiciously, narrowing his eyes. If you're trying to use me as a hostage, it won't work. 
Fire Lord Ozai won't pay you anything or grant you any graces for my safety. He's trying to say it evenly, but his voice hitches. The Water Tribe peasant snorts. Yeah, no, Sokka says disbelievingly. You're his child and the prince of the Fire Nation. I'm sure we could get something out of it. Zuko opens his mouth to correct the misconception, but he's talked right over. But sure, whatever. That's not the game plan here. Then what is? Why are you helping me? Zuko asks frustratedly. Why do you care? I've done nothing but been unkind to you. Sokka shrugs. The air nomads believe in the sanctity of life, yada yada, so Aang just didn't want you to die. And it might surprise you, jerkbender, but Aang's just a twelve-year-old kid who wants to make friends with everything that breathes. Zuko remembers lying on a bed of forest leaves, looking up at Ernest's gray eyes and a hopeful voice asking, If we had known each other back then, do you think we could have been friends too? And he had answered with a fire blast at the Avatar's face. A little bit of guilt kindles in his stomach at the memory, just like that moment of realizing that the Avatar had a name. It made him less of an omniscient entity, and more of a... human. A kid. Because he doesn't know how to process that, Zuko decides he's just not going to. So, are you always lying to yourself, or is that a Fire Nation thing? Sokka asks loudly. Zuko starts and resorts to his default scowl, even as his heart hammers away in his chest. It's horribly intrusive being this vulnerable to someone else. The kind of trust and access he'd not have granted to anyone, an enemy no less, and Zuko hates it. Sokka's shoulders sag. You know what? I'm 100% with you on that. This sucks. The waterbender. Katara. Zuko's mind supplies unbidden, probably from whatever spiritual magic is connecting him to Sokka, is watching them both with eyes that were not unkind. If you promise not to hurt us, especially Aang, we'll let you out of the ropes and I'll heal your injuries, she tells him. Zuko's brow wrinkles in confusion. And then what? He asks. You do realize after you've dropped me off, I'm going to go right back to chasing you, right? That's what I said, Sokka agrees, as Aang pipes up. We'll get there when we get there, he chirps. Maybe you would have changed your mind. The kid sounds so optimistic and young, just like Zuko remembers himself to be once, so full of hope. Zuko stares at the earnest face and wonders, wonders whether it was really that simple. I meant what I said back in the forest, you know, the Avatar adds. I do wish we could have been friends. Unlikely, Zuko replies honestly, almost apologetically, because the young kid in front of him deserves that, at least. I'm sorry, but I must regain my honor, and to do that I must capture the Avatar. You are the Avatar. That, it's not, it's not personal. Not personal, he says. Sokka scoffs. But there's not as much scorn as Zuko would have expected from an enemy. Zhao had given him much more vitriol when they were supposed to be on the same side. Whatever. Can we at least agree on a truce until we land on the ground? Zuko considers. It's not much of a decision, honestly. Not while he's a thousand feet above ground, surrounded by three people he's chased and antagonized. Fine. I promise. On my honor. The waterbender makes a motion with her hands, but Sokka stops her. Wait, Katara. Sokka cautions. Zuko quietly files the confirmation of her name. Wary gold meets unflinching blue. How can we be sure you're not lying? All it takes is a spark from you and we'd be fried meat. You can literally hear my thoughts, Zuko points out as he scowls. Not for much longer, if Zuko has his way. And from past evidence, I have proven myself to keep to my word. 
I kept my promise about not burning down your village back then, even though the abbot Aang didn't keep his, he says, jerking his head to where the airbender is sitting. Sokka gets that look again. Oh, look at you, getting an award for basic human decency, Katara mutters. But she makes one motion, and the ropes fall apart from the tiny slivers of ice that's been keeping them knotted together. Zuko rubs at his wrists, trying to return some feeling to them. Sokka begins to talk. Okay, so step one. Establish a very uneasy, inadvisable truth with Prince Jerkbender of the Jerkbending Nation. Check. Zuko rolls his eyes. Step two. Katara will heal him until he's not in danger of dropping dead and we can drop him off. Step three. Katara reaches towards him. Things happen in quick succession. One. Katara lets out a cry of pain when Zuko's hand clamps down upon her slim wrist hard enough to break it. Two. Sokka's boomerang is a sharp pressure at Zuko's throat, pressing hard enough to form a thin cut. 3. Aang jumps from the helm of the bison to land on gliding feet, right where the three of them are clustered. Zuko wonders vaguely if he should be alarmed that no one is steering the bison. Everyone calm down, Aang cautions. Get your hands off my sister, Sokka growls at Zuko. I can take care of myself, Katara snaps, even though her eyes are wide with fear wrenching her hand out of Zuko's grip. Her wrist meets no resistance, because for his part, Zuko's still tense, feeling somewhat unmoored. Sokka takes a step back, but his boomerang remains at the ready, its sharp edge near Zuko's neck. Where's that honor you spoke of? Sokka demands. You literally just promised not to hurt anyone! Zuko's temper flares, but he takes a deep breath to calm down the way Uncle taught him. The water tribe peasant... Sokka he corrects in his mind, was right to be upset, because it did look like Zuko had broken a promise he'd just made. I... forgive me. Zuko had reacted without thinking, because the waterbender had been reaching in towards the left side of his face. I was startled. It will not happen again. Things are momentarily quiet. Zuko's heart beats loudly in his chest. He's tried to issue the apology in the stiffly formal manner that the Fire Nation deemed proper apologies be made, but he's suddenly not sure if the Water Tribe would see it the same way. Would they understand the honesty that the grave manner of his apology denotes, or would they see it as insincere? But he's done his best. The Water Tribe boy is gazing directly at Zuko with an appraising look in his eyes. His gaze flickers over Zuko's scar, and Zuko can't help it. He flushes, wondering just how much of his thoughts the other boy has heard if they knew his blind spots. I didn't, Sokka says aloud, then stops. Didn't what? Zuko snarls to cover his trepidation. Anger was his only reliable shield against fear. He's discovered that when met with fiery resistance, people often didn't probe further. Not Sokka, though. Zuko jumps when Sokka's next words come in through Zuko's mind. They haven't tried to formally communicate through this stupid bond yet, but clearly it's possible. I didn't realize. Zuko discovers mental snarling is a thing, and takes to it with prodigious ease. That I'm blind in one eye? What, the massive scarring and the way it doesn't open fully wasn't enough of a clue? Sokka looks like he wanted to shout, but to Zuko's amazement, the water tribe boy takes a deep breath instead. No, it wasn't. No. You always seem so formidable and scary. It's... I didn't realize you had things to make up for. That should have been flattering, but it isn't. Zuko turns his face away, keeping his good eye trained on all the people across from him. Right. Okay. 
Sokka tucks his boomerang away with a forced casualness. Zuko watches in increasing confusion as he steps around the group, so that the other two are now positioned closer to Zuko's right. So, we got off on the wrong foot. Katara, maybe tell him when you're coming near him. Jerkbender's clearly twitchy. He's not going to say anything, Zuko realizes. He's not going to tell them. He's finding it much easier to breathe all of a sudden. Thank you, he thinks carefully towards the other boy, in case he can be heard. Just keep to your promise, comes the reply. Don't hurt my sister. Don't hurt Aang. Keep your jerk bending to yourself until we're back on ground. Zuko closes his eyes. He's never been an oathbreaker, so that isn't something that had been in question, no matter how easy it would be to take advantage of the situation once he's healed. His supposed moral enemies have afforded Zuko more basic respect and decency than Zhao had, and the general is supposed to be of his own nation and under his command. The least Zuko can do for such humane treatment is return the same respect. No matter how tempting it is, Zuko would not dishonor their decency. On my honor, I promise. Sokka smiles at him right before catching himself. Zuko smiles back. <laughs>